Welcome to Love and Compassion, a podcast where we explore different topics that may challenge our current belief systems and the fears that they generate. Our hope is that through dialogue, you, the listener, will be inspired and motivated in new ways on your own journey to living a more loving and compassionate life. Please welcome your host, Giselle Taraba. Hello and welcome everyone to the Loving Compassion Podcast with Giselle. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast for more amazing content. On today's podcast, we're going to be discussing love in our homes and bringing love into our environments. Our guest is the beautiful and wonderful Tanya Memi, who is an award-winning TV personality, actress, former Miss World Canada, host, executive producer, and TV show creator. She is the star of the popular home design show, Sell This House, on A&E and FYI. Please join me in welcoming Tanya Memi. Hi, Tanya. Hi, thanks for having me on your show. Oh, thank you so much for being on our show. It's such a privilege for us. <laughs> Super grateful. Before we get talking about the home environment, because that's really kind of what I want to talk about, how to bring greater love into our environment. You've been on some pretty cool shows and movies, right? You've been on CSI Miami, and there's the terror inside for which you won an award. I know you've been on Jungle 2 and like The Practice and Jag and Melrose Place. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about kind of your experience as a woman in Hollywood, because we've heard such negative things about Hollywood and the treatment of women. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about what your experiences were like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you have to definitely have, you have to have thick skin and all those stories you've heard, they're they're real. I mean, it's, there's a lot of that out there, but at the same time, there's also incredible, amazing stories out there too, that we probably don't hear enough of. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I also do believe that there's a lot of those stories in every other job out there too, every other corporate industry, as well as the entertainment business. Some people have, everybody has a different moral and ethical structure and you just stick to your guns and you, you have a lot of decisions to make along the way. And and you make whatever decisions are best for you. And don't judge others because they decide to make different decisions than you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really yeah. good point. Everybody has their own moral and ethical structure, I think. And just, I think just being non-judgmental is probably the best way to, to go and just stick to your own path. Yeah, that's so true. Do you think it's changing a little bit? I see much more of an appreciation of behavior such as Keanu Reeves, people that are kind of on the quiet and have been kind of compassionate and kind for such a long time. And you're starting to see those stories coming out. Do you think it's changing a little bit? Yeah, I think so. I think people are definitely on their toes a whole lot more because they have. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I mean, for women and men. And yeah. I think that women have to be very careful about you know, how they socialize and men have to be very careful about how they socialize too. I mean, I see a definite difference even on the, the shows I'm on and the sets that I'm on too, where, you know, someone might say something and they'll be like, don't take it the wrong way. I didn't mean it that way. I meant it this way, you know? Yeah. So everybody's definitely hyper aware of the things they say, the things they do and where they, you know, touch somebody accidentally or not, or, so I think things are changing as well. I also think that there's a natural human instinct to flirt and yeah. <laughs> a little bit. And I think it's difficult as well because yeah. everybody's sort of, you know, it's just in, in, in a way it also gets difficult to set where everything's, you know, everybody has to be very structured and very corporate. So yeah, it's just an interesting environment. There's a lot of change and people are trying to figure out what, what is working. 
Yeah. And I think what you said is so spot on. I think there's now like a, a hesitancy and a real kind of, you know, people are becoming more conscientious, right, about some of their behavior. At the same time, there's also like a guardness and a fear that is present because people don't know then, okay, if this has been acceptable for a while, whether or not it's acceptable, that's kind of debatable. But but for, in their mind, it has been okay. So for all this long, this is how I've behaved. And now... I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how it's going to be. And you want to be conscientious and at the same time, kind of not be paralyzed by your fear, right? Yeah. And it is happening. It's, 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 it's very interesting seeing the shift. Yeah. You know. yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I was, I was really curious because I was like, okay, this is my first actress that I'll get to talk to. So I'm going to ask about Hollywood in terms of whether or not the stories or whether or not, you know, like maybe that has been kind of the media yeah, putting a spin you know, on. And then to be totally honest and totally upfront. I mean, you know, I've also heard of stories where unfortunately, if, you know, it's also sort of backfired in Hollywood too. I have heard that, you know, the, and I've seen that some of the women that have complained, let's say that they dive back in, they're up for a role and there's a woman that has a lawsuit that they won in the, in the past or whatever. And then there's a woman that didn't complain and they're going to, they're probably going to go for the, they're probably going to choose the actress that didn't complain. Yeah, which is you know I mean? really so it, sad. It, yeah, it's it's sad. But in the end, you know, to create change, it takes those strong, capable, incredible women to maybe sometimes sacrifice their careers in order for the next generation of women to have those new rules and laws in place. So I I do commend those women, and mm-hmm. I'm very proud women that were willing to not, you know, be given those next roles, knowing that they most likely weren't going to be given those next roles because they did choose to sue someone or, you know, be the first person to throw up that red flag saying he did this or he did that and go against some of these, you know, people in Hollywood, these heavy hitters in Hollywood and, and do what they did. So it was hard for them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it takes an an extraordinary amount of courage to be, especially the early people who are uncovering some of that stuff. I mean, it's not just for Hollywood, but everywhere. The first people like Rosa Parks, the first people to really say, okay, well, no, I'm going to sit down. Those trailblazers that are putting themselves out there. It's just, it's it's so complicated. It it is. And it still is complicated. So there's so many different ways to look at it. But I'm very proud of the women that were the the first trailblazers to risk everything, everything. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing your experiences. (laughs) I really, really appreciate that. Now I want to talk a little bit about how to bring greater love into our home environments, because I know that a lot of what you do. Now I'm a big follower of um, Louise Hay, and I don't know if you know who she is. Yes, Um, yes, do not love her. And one of the things I know that she used to say is really how to bring the love into your environment, you know, bless your home, bring the energy of love into your environment. And so I always kind of keep those thoughts in my head. But then I sometimes wonder, I'm like, how do you do that? Like, how do you actually bring the energy of of a vibration of love? How do you actually create environments that are kind of more expressing of yourself? And are environments really truly a reflection of the inner or are they just kind of like... Oh, yes. 100%. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost finished my book. And there's a chapter that's all dedicated toward this. And the first thing that I tell people is, and and I did this for myself. So I went through a very tough few years, very tough few years. And it's a long story. But anyways, one of the things I had to do was change my environment 
because I was in an environment that I wasn't happy with. I was in a very small apartment. I, I basically lost everything, like my everything that I owned, everything I did, everything. It's just I I was out of work for because I quit a, a show that I was on. Yeah. And uh, sticking to my integrity, I walked off set because I was in a situation where I didn't agree with what was going on. Yeah. And um, I lost all my money and everything and all my accolades, everything. And so I was in a very small apartment and, you know, bottom level dark and everything. And so I thought, okay, I need to create whatever, whatever I have, I need to make it the best that it can possibly be. So the first thing that I did is I took out of my environment, everything that reminded me of something that didn't have a positive memory from the past. So anything that reminded you of this from the past or that from a book that you read that you didn't like that it connected you to something someone sometime anything even if it was expensive even if it was something like you just didn't want to get rid of it because piece of furniture that you loved but you hated get rid of it because it doesn't matter anyway it's just they're just things and when you lose everything you realize that it's just things and after a while you don't care when you lose so much you're like you realize nothing matters anyway as far as things Human beings matter. People matter. Pets matter. Living things matter. My plants mattered more than things, you know, living things. And it's so the first thing I tell people to do is get rid of the things in your surrounding that have bad memories or negative attachments or that you don't care about. And then start to bring in things that give you happiness or hope or things that you like or things that you think are pretty or things that you like the sound of or when you look at it you makes you feel happy like even this little mug here that I have like <laughs> this thing. that's I, great I, yeah right I mean I have it like if you look here I have a disco ball that I have in my <laughs> it's always room. a party at your place <laughs> yeah, I mean I have a house now this is a few years later I changed my life around literally in eight months and now I have a you know beautiful home in the Palisades, and but I took this disco ball from my little apartment, and I take it with me in every house I, I will ever own. And every morning, myself and my boyfriend and my daughter, we put it on. It spins every night. It spins. We just dance for no reason, That's and just new energy. Yeah, I mean, it's like people just they they're like, I never thought of that, you know. Yeah. And it brings in so much happiness and energetically even into our home and we have plants like right there i have an orchid right here there with color it's like, gorgeous you oh. know thank you yeah and it's a purple one instead of a white one you know mm -hmm. and so everything we bring into our home now has meaning i got rid of everything that that so it's a good start i mean i think yeah. that you know what i mean by that and i do yeah and it's hard yeah. to say goodbye to the past sometimes yeah yeah but it's amazing what it does. First, let me applaud you like for standing up for yourself and saying, you know what, like I can keep my secure job or I can just say this is not working for me. And, you know, that in itself <laughs> takes a great deal of courage yeah. uh, because it does have financial impact. Right. And so we, when we think about it that way, sometimes we hang on a little bit too long than we should have. Um, I loved my job. I loved what mm -hmm. I did. It's just that it, there was an environment created by one of the executives that I couldn't, it was, I couldn't work for that one person anymore. Yeah. So, and, and yeah. the interesting part is, so, so one of the things we do is, is compassion in the workplace. And, and it's amazing how people leave, they leave 
leaders and they leave their environment. They don't leave their jobs. A lot of the times they actually like what they do. Oh no, I just, I loved the job. I loved, uh, yeah. my daughter was on the show with me and who doesn't, you know, I, I, I was very happy there except for working for my, that one executive that I just couldn't work for. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. I was just going to comment. And it's so sad because when I think about powerful people, Truly empowered people don't need to disempower others. They don't need to use power over approaches and disempowering approaches, right? And so for so long, we have kind of glorified these people who use power over approaches. And that really is very disengaging to people, especially people like yourselves who are empowered who say, okay, yeah, this is not for me. And so you, you lose really good people. A lot of these, a lot of the people in the industry that ended up you know, it was during the time when the industry sort of blew up as far as, you know, the Me Too movement. And it was kind of about eight months before all that blew up, I had left the set. And I'm not saying it had anything to do with the Me Too movement, this particular case. It had to do with just, it was just very emotionally, it was like an emotionally sort of abusive environment, I felt personally for me. But I do believe that he was more old school. It was an old school way of Hollywood that I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. But I do believe, and, and this is, it's weird because I actually really liked him. You know how you have a love-hate relationship with somebody? Yeah. I actually really still do. Like, it's weird, but I couldn't work for him. And what I realized is that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. people that are bullied will bully. Mm-hmm. And I look back on it and I'm like, it's because he's been hurt. Like he's probably had an abusive life at some point and that's why he's like that. You know what I mean? But yeah, hurt people hurt people. And that was my lesson throughout this whole thing. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's all good now. So yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you can meet those people with love and compassion, I think that's what kind of changes things. Right. But first you have to have loving compassion for yourself. So you couldn't have loving compassion for that person and stay in that environment. So I think that's what is happening now. Like you are able to get yourself out of that situation in somewhere that is more aligned with you. And then you're able to reflect back and say, I don't have to hate the person. I just don't have to agree with the behavior or accept it by being inside, like to continue the relationship. Right. So. Yeah. Now, I don't know how he feels about me. I'm sure, you know, it doesn't matter. That's (laughs) right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I also love what you said about the home in terms of how you got rid of anything that wasn't in alignment with, or that really kind of resonated with you. Because so many times we hold on to things that we're like, well, that costs so much money or so-and-so gave me that. And it's, it has, it has a real negative attachment. I did a 28 day. Have you done one of these where you, for every day for 28 days, you get rid of like 21 things. I've never done that. Oh my gosh. I, every day for 28 days, whether it was little or big, I got rid of 21 things like every day 21 things every day 21 things and it at first it was like oh my gosh it it was easy right and then it got harder and harder and it was so weird at the end of 28 days I felt relief but here's the really interesting part Mm -hmm. people started giving me stuff because the universe does not like a vacuum so people gave me free sets free shoes like I got a whole bunch of stuff and I'm like I got rid of a whole bunch of books and then I went somewhere and they were giving away all these free books so my my library just got as full as it was before I was like okay (laughs) so but isn't it interesting how when you bring that energy into the environment as you were saying that it has an impact like it's incredible 
they always say the universe has your back and it certainly does, but you have to shift it. You have to shift it yourself. No one is going to do it for you. Yeah. And it's true. And it's interesting because you can sit and sit and sit and sit in your stuck for a mm-hmm. long time. And until you're willing to unstuck yourself, it's, you're going to sit there. And it is so hard sometimes to, to move it and shift that energy. But I love what you're saying and just get rid of stuff that gives you, especially I believe too, like if you look at that thing, even if it's on a subconscious level, mm-hmm. you're just bringing that bad energy back into your home. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter if it costs a lot of money. It keeps you tied to the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and when I was in my home, you know, the funny thing is people always think about, you know, when you, when you think about don't, you know, when, when they say to you, don't think about the past, don't think whatever, whatever, like about the past. The past. Yeah, yeah. Because most people, their past is like negative, right? My past was so positive. I was having a hard time releasing my past because I had, oh. my career was like, everything was way up here, way up here, way up here, right? Yeah. I mean, the accolades, I was nominated for Emmys, dating yeah, I'm just saying this, whatever, like, no, I, I so don't <laughs> care. But at the time I cared because that was my self-identity. That's who I was. Yeah. The parties, the red carpets, the this, the that, going all, it, the phone was ringing. I mean, it was just like trajectory of this, right? Yeah. And then when I walked off set, I kind of feel like the phone stopped ringing. Everybody knew that I had done this and I had done that for five to seven, like almost seven years. Stopped ringing, agents left, management left nobody wanted anything to do with me that's how I felt and and it was a tough seven years and uh, so I was still attached to my past but that's because my I thought my past was amazing it's right and so having to let go of an amazing past what I thought was amazing is also very difficult whether it's positive negative or whatever so I had no matter what you're detaching yourself from you have to come to some kind of an acceptance. And if there's things in your, in your house that are reminding you of something that's not making you feel good, because at that point, my past was not making me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like reinventing yourself. Yeah. And, and the other thing is too, when we lose everything, which is what happened to me, when you lose everything, the best thing about losing everything is you get to start over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The world is like yours to rediscover again. And when I realized that, I thought, okay, I get to start over again. This is kind mm-hmm. of exciting. I mean, really, who gets yeah. to start over again and not worry about what anyone thinks? When it, like, Because after a while, I thought, I don't care if the phones are ringing anymore. Like, you give in after a while because you've been broken. Yeah. To the point where you're like, I get to start over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you there. surrender because I think... Before you're like, I think my life is supposed to look like this way or it's supposed to be this way. And so we get so attached to how things were or how we think they're supposed to be. And like you said, if the universe, the universe has your back, therefore you kind of open up to the possibilities of even bigger things or even like greater things. But there's the trust piece, right? Like you have to trust that it's, you kind of have to let go of the wheel and say, um, and some of, get rid of some of the stuff in your house start yeah. new yeah yeah and if you don't have if you're thinking well i can't afford it this that you can get amazing stuff online yeah and refurbish stuff then take your existing furniture and refurbish it somehow which is what i've done so many times on television you can yeah. re- you can find ways to do it on a very minuscule budget and it is amazing and how fun it is to re- to do it yeah re- it. and reinvent it 
Yeah. Like bring new energy into it, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 I also love the, the one of the quotes I've recently kind of been playing with is the, there's no loss in the universe. So in that kind of the 28 day kind of showed me that, right? Like that there's no, there's that anything that is yours is not, is, is going to be yours and anything that wasn't yours divinely is not going to be yours anyway. So why bother? But I didn't really realize that I had this kind of lack mentality until I was going through that 28 day exercise. And I would notice that I had stuff like, let's say a pair of pajamas that I would only wear on specific occasions, I guess. Like when they were like, they were like my more dressier pajamas. And I'm like, that's luck thinking. I'm saving it up for, because why? Because I don't think that I'm going to have proper pajamas when I need them. And I started to see how my thinking was really kind of reflecting in keeping me smaller, right? Like it's keeping my container small because I was like, okay, I have these... <laughs> one special pajamas that I guess my other pajamas look like crap but I'm like well these in case like I just take them out for sure and I didn't realize just in my life how much of that I had pick it up for yourself I mean it does make you feel better it's true it does I know even if it's for nobody but yourself yeah yeah. You know, you just sport that around all you want. <laughs> That's right. I just walk around with my special pajamas. <laughs> um, but it is what, to do that. Yeah, it is. Um, one of the things we're going through, like personally, in terms of our lives, is renovations. Mm-hmm. And and renovations, and it's so funny because I feel like it's like what we're talking about that our our home environment really is a, a reflection of our inner states. And I kind of feel like we're going through this metamorphosis. And our house looks kind of like that. And it's very frustrating, Tanya. (laughs) So you need to give me some advice because it looks like there's this old part of the house that looks older and we're still working through it. And then there's this brand new part of the house that we're finishing up, but it's still kind of halfway done. And so it feels like we're in between these two worlds and we're like, oh, this is so frustrating because when is it going to be done? But it really is kind of our own evolution. But I got to be honest, sometimes you're like, oh my God, these renovations, when are they going to be done? Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, first of all, you are going through what most of the country is going through. Most of North America, I should say, because Mm -hmm. the supply chain has just been so crippled because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to redo. We still want to redo. We just moved into this house a year ago and we want to redo parts of this house too. And a cabinetry alone is like seven months, you know, back order alone. Right? I know. It's insane. Crazy. Insane. So just know that there's no judgment because everybody's going through it. <clears throat> yeah. Secondly, when people say, ask me, you know, tell me about that. I say, if you can, in the older parts of your home, because you are going to have to live with it longer than normal. I mean, it's, it's amazing if you can even get a painter or an electrician or, you know, I mean, our, our contractor, he left us 90%. He, he finished the, our kitchen 90% and then left oh. us because he went on to a bigger, better job because he finished it. He's like, yeah, now there's more money over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh, yeah. And now we can't get somebody to finish the 10% because it's not a big enough job. So we have wires hanging out here still. We're waiting until a little bit more time passes. So you're just going through what everybody's going through. But what I do tell people is in the older part of your home, maybe, maybe start looking for some new furniture now. And put the new furniture in that part, that, that part of the house to make it look a little bit newer furniture that you know you're going to buy anyways. Oh, okay. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Just look for it earlier. Because if you know you're going to be getting a new couch or this or that, 
or a new table or whatever that room is, a dining table, maybe get it earlier than later so that you have the feeling of something that's making you really happy in that room. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's also preparing for your good, right? Preparing for the finished product, the enjoyment, right? right? I don't have to delete my enjoyment. Yeah. Or new carpet, not on like, not not carpet that goes like a, like a, just carpet that goes under the dining table. Buy things, you know, you're going to keep the overall design. Mm -hmm. If if it's designed that way in a way where you can. So that's just something to kind of make you get from point A to point B in a, in a happy way. <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. I love that idea. In our case, it's more like, so the primary renovations were done by my husband, who's sort of in that field of work. And it's amazing what he's been able to do during COVID. <laughs> I mean, he built the second, like, it's just amazing. He totally built the addition. Like, it's huge. It's like, for us, it's more like, okay, as things start to pick up on our other work stuff, people don't want to come pick up smaller jobs because, I right? Know. Like, big core of the thing is done. And so... Somewhere out there, people, <laughs> there's a career in picking up smaller jobs. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think that it has to do with what you were saying. But on the larger scale, it does look like a larger metamorphosis of society as a whole. Yeah. Because we're also seeing it in this mass exodus of people that are living in the workplace. A lot of people are starting their own businesses. Like, so I think there is this kind of huge spiritual change that's happening and I think it's also reflect being reflected in this kind of halfway done houses and lack of access to things well I also think people are working from home now too yeah there's a massive shift even you know the network that I work for A&E right I mean their offices are not they're empty their offices are empty I mean I think there's maybe 10 percent less than the employees that are back in New York City that went back to work And all those offices are empty, which means all those people are at home still. And people want to make their environment in their home nicer Mm -hmm. because they're home. So we're trying to completely change the inside of our homes because we're home all the time. So that to me, I mean, we know this, but that to me is like really what's causing all of this. Yeah. And uh, I think it's going to be like that for a couple of years. So we just have to be all, we just all have to be more patient. And uh, and try and honestly, like right now, if you're young and you're ambitious, get into the contracting business. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And come do our small jobs. (laughs) That is so, so true. I wonder what's going to happen with all those offices. I know that people are now starting new businesses where people are co-sharing environments. Mm -hmm. So if they have like a rental space, you come and use it Monday, Wednesday, and these people use it Thursday, Friday. So I do think I'm seeing that kind of more pick up. I have heard that they're going to be using a lot of it for online shopping, uh, warehousing. Mm. Oh, that's smart too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Because, because everybody's shopping online now, they need warehouses for each of the different areas to be able to deliver quicker and faster. Yeah. Because you know, people want their stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, we're all guilty of that. I'm always like, I feel bad, so bad for like the drivers and totally understand why they'd be unionizing. But don't you like get excited when your package is coming earlier than usual? And then I think to myself, there's one day I think it was delivered on a Sunday. And I thought, this poor soul that is delivering something on a Sunday at this time. I'm like, but isn't it nice on my package is here? I kind of feel like it's great too that they're employed and making money at the same time. Yeah, I think it's yeah for sure. I think it's so out of work too. And I've worked plenty of Sundays when I was younger and I was so grateful for it. But yeah. you know, talking about that, you know what I'm going to do this year? So I'm going to put out by my front door a grateful box. And I have it already made. I have it all ready to go already. And it's a grateful box filled with 
like just all kinds of stuff. I have, you know, little candy canes, but I also have masks and, and what do I have in it? I have waters. I mean, because I don't live in Canada, little Purell bottles and just filled with all kinds of things that I think that they might need along their way and yeah. snacks and chips and, you know, granola bars. And it's a big box and it says, take whatever you need. Thank you so much for your delivery service throughout the year. <sighs> I love it. I love yeah. it. Sorry, my brain was just working in terms of like, oh, how could I do that? But the only concern I would have, I think, would be the animals because we live rurally. We have tons of animals. So I think I, like maybe a bin that closes and the people can open and close would be really or helpful. Don't put, food. don't put food. Just have. Oh, oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Just put necessities or put like you can put sanit you know, sanitizer, masks, mm -hmm. waters, you can yeah. put things like that that they might not be as interested in. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that idea. Oh, that's so awesome. Walking off with a candy cane, get a picture. It's a good Instagram shot. That's right. Watch my Instagram blow up and have like a raccoon with a candy cane saying thank you. Oh, that's so funny. That's so great. Oh, it's so great. Thank you so much. I did want to switch things a little tiny bit. I know that you're a sought after speaker in that you talk to women about how they can find tools to find their voice. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and about some of the tools that you recommend for women in, in on their path to empowerment. You know, I, I talk a lot about my experience of the time when I did go through that very hard time and how it was difficult because I, I was at the time, I mean, I still am, technically I'm a single mom. And, you know, when I was working on the show that I was on, I was made, I, I, I was doing okay financially, but you know, all because I was on television doesn't mean I was making a ton, a ton, a ton of money. Yeah. I was making a lot back in the day. And, you know, as we all know, there's not as much money in the entertainment business as there used to be. Mm. And the show that I was on, I was, I, I was, I was making as much as I was pretty much spending at the time. Living in Los Angeles is extremely expensive. Yeah, I can imagine. Like I had to, you know, it was me and my daughter. And I wasn't getting much from my ex, which is fine because, you know, it's expensive here. And, and uh, so it was like one of those situations where I knew that once I left, I knew that it was going to be possibly a tough road. And, you know, when you go through that struggle of holding on to your integrity and knowing what's right for you and, and, and having a voice within yourself and to others and setting an example and staying true to yourself, you know, I, 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 I talk about that with women because mm -hmm. we as women, we can't live our, we can't live a lie. I mean, we yeah. just can't, we're not, we're not built that way. You know, we can only go so long like that before we start to crumble. It's just not who we are. Yeah. And we're more, we're just sensitive beings, I think inside. And we want to be feminine and we want to be in touch with our feminine side. And we're so met, we're so like the, the, the world that we live in now, we, you know, we take on both the male and the female role too. We have mm. to work and we have to provide and we have to, because it takes two incomes to survive now. And we mm. have to raise kids and clean the house and we have to cook and it's, it's really tough. And yeah. those of us that have a husband or that have a husband that helps is it's, we're really lucky. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, so all of you men out there that help your wives and that are a part really, you know, that are contributing to the, to their wives, you know, responsibilities. You're awesome. Like you guys, you guys rock. I mean, seriously, you rock. <laughs> We're so yeah. Big shout out to my husband. <laughs> he yes. cooks, he does. Yeah. Awesome. Chivalrous men out there. We love you. Mm -hmm. And you know, my 
the man I'm with right now couldn't be more of that. He's incredible. But it took me like 50 years to find that, you know, although my daughter's father's is a great dad as well. But, but anyway, so I just talked to them about, you know, staying true to that and, and, and what that does to, to yourself as a woman by taking that chance and taking that step. And like you said, how the universe has your back mm-hmm. and how you can shift your life and change your life by taking these steps. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I wrote a book about all of this because when I, when I lost everything and I was, and I was in my deepest, darkest, there's always gold at the bottom of your, of your, um, right. Whenever you, whenever you're at your rock bottom, right. There's always gold at the rock bottom and it's hard to find, but it is. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. You're like, this looks more like garbage. It looks like garbage and it feels like garbage and it's hard. Mm -hmm. And when I was there, I thought I needed these answers. I needed to get to find my way out. And I wasn't getting any. And I was sitting there. I sat there for a good five years. And I was like, I'm not getting any answers. I felt very alone. I wasn't getting any any help from anyone, you know, and it was really hard. And I, and I kept quiet too. Like I wasn't really active on social media. I really didn't want anybody to know, but I was suffering. And I thought, well, there's people in life that have been through a worse rock bottom than mine. And they got out of it. So how did they do it? So I started a podcast called Life Masters. And I interviewed 100 people that, you know, hit rock bottom and got out of it. And the first 46 interviews I did, I was in my rock bottom when I did those interviews. Like, I didn't want to do the podcast. The truth is, okay, this is the truth. I didn't have never really admitted publicly, but I think I did once. But I did ayahuasca because I was so desperate. I didn't care if I died or not. Honestly, I was at at the lowest of the low. I was like, I don't Mm -hmm. care. I did ayahuasca and the medicine told me you're going to think I'm nuts, but the medicine told me to do, to interview hundred people that hit rock bottom and got out of it. And that I'd find my answers there. And I'm like, I have no idea what this stuff is saying to me. This is nuts, but okay, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. It literally told me to do that. Like on a very deep I story. totally believe it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, that's how I kind of started this podcast too. It was kind of like this you know, kind of guidance of like, okay, you need to do this. And it's like, I didn't even know what a podcast was. Right. You think you could share like your favorite story from your podcast? Like one of one of like your favorite stories that you found? Because I totally understand what you're saying in terms, you know, when you're at your rock bottom, you do want to hear stories of people overcoming where you are, who have gotten past where you are. What would you, what was one of your favorite stories? Well, you know, interviewing that many people, first of all, I realized that after interviewing that many people, I realized that, wow, these people don't even know each other. They're from different walks of life. And they all sort of did the same thing, which was mind blowing. But it took me time to sort of before the bell went off. And I'm like, this is crazy. So I'm going to start doing what they're saying that, you know, that they did. And so there's a series of things that I started implementing in my life and I started doing it. And so I'll, I'll answer your question. One of the stories was, this, this man that I met and he's incredible. He was born without any legs, right? And his whole story was, was insanely crazy because I was thinking, wow, I mean, how do, you, how do you live life like that? Anyways, he ended up becoming qualified for the American Olympics on the American Olympic team. But not only that, it's not, it's not the, the paraplegic team. It's the, the Olympic team, like the running team with men that have legs. And so- <sighs> He, yeah. And so he qualified. And when I did the, the interview with him, his whole, I mean, can you imagine the mentality 
that it that it took for this man as a child being teased and being ridiculed and being told no 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 you can't you can't because you're this you're not that you're this and the men the mentality it took for this guy to believe in himself because no one else did enough except i think his parents did and to get him to train my his trainer is willie ball who's a very good friend of mine he's Look up Willie God, he's incredible. He's playing the Bears and the Raiders and he's one of the fastest, he's like 60 something now. And he's like got a 35 year old body, he's insane. And he trains him and and he's just, and he, this man is just incredible. So it's the stories of these people that have had and, and put mine in perspective, like my rock bottom, it, it put everything in perspective for me, you know? And I thought, wow, and just the men that he that he had to deal with to get to where he um, is now so he was one of my favorite stories and then you know I met another guy that became paralyzed from the head down when he was 15 playing football in high school and now he's a big public speaker and an inspirer and he's just incredible he's written books and you know he's got a girlfriend now I mean it's just in, these stories are just insane and not all of them are physical changes some of them you know I interviewed someone else who was homeless at 11 his parents abandoned him. I think his mother passed away. His mom passed away and his father abandoned him. And he was homeless, like homeless, an 11 year old boy. Oh. And someone one day gave him a book. It was called Rich Man, Poor Man, the famous book. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Gave him this book. His name's Joseph McClendon. Joseph McClendon is who I'm talking about. And he's, so if you can listen to that one on my podcast. Yeah, story, for sure. Remembers the day this guy gave him a book, said, read this, changed his life. And and it, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. nothing does happen overnight. But every single one of them remembers the day when they decided that they were worth more. Didn't happen overnight. They all decided they were going to make a change. And I mean, it, it was it's just incredible stories. And so I wrote a book on everything that I learned by interviewing 100 people that hit rock bottom. Now I've interviewed more than 100 I'm about to do 30 more. I just bought 30 more like sessions to interview. Because I don't have nice. a for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm finishing my book up soon and it'll be coming out next year in, in 2022. I'm excited about it. But, and then I talk about my life and the miracles that happened and what I did when I implemented everything I learned. And it's pretty incredible. I changed my life within eight months. Everything turned around. I was in rock bottom for five years and in eight months, everything changed. And it's, mm. I, I don't know, maybe it's, Maybe it's circumstance. Maybe it's a miracle. I don't know what it is. All I know is that I did what I was told to do and, and things changed around. So maybe it's the universe. Maybe it's God. Maybe it's both. Maybe it's all of it. Maybe it's all the same thing. I don't know. Yeah. All of it happened. Wow. Wow. Such incredible, incredible stories. It's so funny. We're only limited by our own limited thinking, right? So the thing that we really have to overcome is ourselves and our thoughts, right? All those thoughts that keep us kind of capped, right? So it's like, it's like, how do we get beyond ourselves? I mean, that fellow who actually ended up in the Olympics, he must have seen himself beyond what other people saw, beyond how he might have viewed himself when he was younger. So he must have seen himself at some point reaching that goal in order for him to have reached that goal. It goes to the to human potential, right? I know the last time I spoke with them, they were debating whether or not he was going to be allowed to actually compete in the Olympics because he mm. was fast. So I know that he was going a lot of tests, but he had broken so many records. So I, I don't, and I should know this, and I'm not sure if he actually ended up in the Olympics, mm -hmm. but he qualified. 
And then there was all this controversy on whether or not he was actually going to be on the team. So I'm actually, I'm going to call Willie and I'm going to find out because regardless whether he made it or not. No, qualifying is is plenty. (laughs) Many people who are able are not able to qualify, right? Through all of it is what you think is very powerful. And when you put thought behind something, you know, like we still get so addicted to negative thoughts. Like it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole. Like, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. I did it and I still do it. I mean, we all have our days. Mm-hmm. And you need to put that emotion behind it and get caught up in that circle. But it's just as easy to flip it around. Like the minute you see yourself putting that emotion negatively behind a thought, switch it yeah. and put emotion behind a positive thought or stop it right there even when you're driving down the street and you're about to like you know <laughs> <laughs> you look to it well like down and don't give energy to that and give it to just imagine your best day and so I started going hiking one of the things I did is I started hiking and imagine myself hosting a show again writing a book and winning an Emmy and because I've been nominated but I haven't won yet so I know one day I'm going to win I know what I yes. know what I know you know, and I see it for you. Yes, I see it, right? It's there. And, and so every day I started listening to Joe Dispenza. I'm a big Joe Dispenza fan. Me too. Yeah, I love that, Dr. Joe. Yeah. I put those headphones on and I would just think and feel and envision like everything I wanted in life every day, even in my depths of despair, my deepest, darkest, you know, my lowest of the lowest. I made myself do it. And every day I started feeling a little better, better, better. And these are things that all the other life masters that I interviewed did. I'm just giving a few tips here, right? And I just committed to it, committed to it. And things started, like you said, started to turn around a little. And about eight months later, this is no joke. I was out of work for a long time. No phones ringing, nothing. I got a call from A&E, from Christian Murphy at A&E. And he calls me and he's like, we want to bring your show back, Sell This House. Now, Sell This House has been on the air for 10 years. It went off for seven years. This is like, who brings shows back? I mean, nobody brings shows back, right? A few shows came back, but not, you know. Yeah. And he want to bring a show back, and we need you to host it. We think you're fabulous, and we can't do it without you. I know. <laughs> I only a couple of thousand dollars in my and my rent was like $3,000 a month, right? For a tiny one bedroom crappy apartment in Los Angeles. So it's like, it was down to the wire. And yeah, and now fast forward two years, I'm executive producer on another show called Smart Home. Mm-hmm. I created it. We just aired our first 10 you know, episodes. We're waiting for season two. We shot in Toronto all summer. And so there's that, sell this house. We're waiting for season three. Awesome. And um working on and your book and selling shows and yeah and just everything's just i'm in a great relationship just we bought a house in the palisades a year ago and everything's daughter's happy and so you can change i don't know i'm not saying i'm not you know i'm not saying do ayahuasca but i'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> although some people do it just do it safely right like you usually have to have like an ayahuasca person that to help you with but however you gain that higher level of consciousness yeah yeah connect connect somehow with yourself connect with yourself one way or another and and a a good way is how you started the podcast you know it it has a lot to do with your environment and and what's in your home and anything that brings bad memories into your home just get rid of it just get rid of it 
-hmm. bring the the yummy stuff in. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I did, we're coming up to the end of the podcast. I did want to ask you if you could share a bit about Wells of Hope. Can you share a little bit about, maybe talk about some of the great work you guys have done? Yeah. So unfortunately, since COVID, we have not really been able to do much because we can't get there anymore. So that's been very unfortunate. Wells of Hope is, is my father's on the board. And so it's, it's just time that my father and I come together in Guatemala. There's a whole team of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's incredible what they do. We build wells and we bring water to the mountainous regions of Jalapa in Guatemala. And, and really the reason why we chose Jalapa is because there's less restrictions. And so it's Mm. easy for us to get in regions and the government doesn't really get involved and it's just easier for us to go and help these people and we also build schools mm-hmm. so it made a tremendous difference in that area in that part of the world and it's just incredible I mean my father goes there now and they call him Santa Claus like he's famous there now oh. <laughs> I mean every so single yeah is well they need they need the donation so badly and yeah inching every little bit of the way and also i mean they need the volunteers they need young people to go in and help and do this and eventually when it gets started up again but you know they need volunteers they need the money they need but i go i used to go i used to try to go every single year and uh, it's an incredible incredible experience and teachers you guys can bring your students and um, it's just it's wonderful yeah yeah and education is so so important right like to be able to have that ability for the students to learn and to be able to in fresh water, obviously it's a basic need. So I think it's, it's great. And also I think everybody in a first world country should go to a third world country, at least five times minimum in their life, just Mm to, and just to realize how lucky we really are. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. I was reading since you mentioned that I was reading recently that, um, somebody was talking about how paradoxical it was that sometimes people in third world are super happy and sometimes people in first world are really quite miserable. So it's, it just seems like it just seems like a disconnect in terms of like you think you, that all of these things would make you happy, but then you've got this other group that doesn't have that. But I guess they have the kind of foundations of community cohesiveness and you might kind of have in North America. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's paradoxical. So there's mutual learning to be gained for sure by, by kind of, you know, going out and exploring the world. They rely on humans for survival. They rely on each other, family, especially for survival. And here we rely on money and that's a huge difference. I mean, we don't, our family always first or other people first we put them second third fourth and fifth i mean i do feel like it's we're in survival mode here and completely other different i mean we're in survival mode and money is the drive here unfortunately and uh, in third world countries it's all about community and family because it's that's how you survive is who you know and who's close to you and how big your family is and how many kids you have (laughs) yeah wow yeah i hadn't looked at it that way that's that's so true it's so true. You see it. Like you, you know, mm-hmm. my dad is like a birthday party, right? So we would go over to their house and their house is literally like it's mud on the, not mud, like wet mud, but like a dirt floor mm-hmm. and they play bricks. And I mean, they, if they're lucky, they have an actual stove, not like what we have. There's no electricity. Mm-hmm. It's 
kind of electricity, but it's very like one wire with one light bulb. Yeah. And there's very, you know, with wood, it's and some coal that they might get at a store. And there's a hole in the roof with a sort of chimney. And you sit there and there's like chickens running under the table and but it's filled with people. Like it's only one room half the time and maybe, you know, a bed in the corner. And it's filled with family and they're singing and they're happy and they're just, you know, serving food that I don't know how long it's been. There's not really a refrigerator. And we're like, well, okay, well, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, So fun. Like they're just, that's what they do every night. They just do that every night. And the kids all sleep in the same bed with their mom and dad and, (laughs) and any other way of living, you know, it's the, it's families that have the television sets that are more messed up than the families that don't. Yeah. Wow. It's interesting. Outside world, right? And they start to see what. Yeah, exactly. There is a greater kind of division. Can you share with the audience where they can find you, where they can find your podcast and when your upcoming book is happening? Yeah. So on my website, tanamemi.com and you can find everything there except my Mm -hmm. book. I don't know when it's coming out. It's definitely 2022. I'm in the final stages of my book, just going over all the content. So that's happening. I'm very excited about that. Mm -hmm. I don't have a name for the book yet. So I'm going to come up with the name last. That's happening last, but it's based basically on my podcast, my Life Masters podcast. Life Masters podcast, you can find on all the podcast platforms. And my TV show is on A&E, which is Sell This House and Smart Home Nation. And it's also on the FYI channel, Smart Home Nation. And we are, I don't, I, it's Smart Home Nation and FYI are in reruns. I don't know if they're airing quite yet. We just finished airing both series like last week. And we're going to start up again in 2022. But there might, you might be able to like, you know, how you can binge watch them on. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just go to my website. Oh, and then check out my Instagram. Instagram is at Tanya Memi Official. And I'm also on Facebook, which is Tanya Memi Official. I'm out there. You're out there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tanya. This was such an exciting conversation. It was so amazing. And I will definitely be implementing some of those <laughs> ideas in terms of really only keeping the things that kind of speak to my heart. And so I really, really appreciate that. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of the Loving Compassion Podcast. And have a wonderful week. Bye.